Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. Welcome into the MLB Extras Rays podcast. Tim McMaster here along with Juan Toribio, our Rays reporter here at MLB.com. And Juan, we're going to talk about the infield of this team. Uh, Break it down, going position by position around the horn. Uh, Before we get to that, though, let's check in at least on the JT Real Muto trade sweepstakes, which seem to be Inching closer to a conclusion, Joe Frasaro is our Marlins reporter. He has talked a lot about it being down to kind of a final four. Now, that final four does not include the Rays, but then some other reporters have said, John Heyman on Twitter, that maybe the Rays still are involved. Um, It's tough to really know what the truth is, but from your perspective, are you you willing to – to quit on the Rays in this, or do you still have some uh, some thoughts they could make one last-ditch effort? I think they'll make a last effort. I mean, obviously, like we've talked about, if you can add a guy like him and add him into your lineup, you, you're going to take that opportunity. But it just depends on what the Martins are looking for. I know I know Frazara reported that the Martins are looking for a young catching prospect. And the Rays don't really have – you know, the Rays are loaded in the farm system, but they don't really have – a young pitching, a young catching prospect to kind of offer the Marlins. They have Ronaldo Hernandez, who's the team's number seven according to Pipeline, but he's still a couple of years away. And I don't know if the if the Rays are willing to give him up for Rio Muto, who's probably gonna, only going to be in Tampa Bay for two years and, he, and then become a free agent. So that's that gets a little bit trickier. If the Marlins are looking for something else, then the Rays can offer a, you know a pretty good package. Obviously, the Padres are the are the one team that have a better farm system than the Rays, according to you know the the the, the experts with the minor league systems. So I think it just depends on what the Mars are ultimately looking for. But I think any time you can try and add a guy like Rio Muto, you're going you're gonna to keep making effort. You're going to keep calling. So I know Fisaro said the Rays are out. Heyman said that the Rays are in. And I think at this point, I think we're just kind of waiting and seeing to see what, what happens with Rio Muto over the next week or so. Yeah, it does seem like the week is maybe uh, the end of it, and it's going to be figured out by then. I would think from a Marlins perspective, they want to have this uh, done or not done, but either way, a big decision made as far as Real Muto goes before they report down to Jupiter, Florida for spring training. All right, let's get into the infield a little bit, and it's an infield with young, talented players who have just graduated from being prospects. There's certainly prospects on the way like the Rays have at every position. There's some veterans mixed in as well. Uh, We'll go right to left. So let's start at first base. Uh, When you look at the depth chart, Yonder Diaz over there, you have Jimon Choi as well. Is Diaz going to be the guy for the most part? 
he'll he'll start off being the guy for the most part. Um, he can obviously play third base. That's where he played the majority of, of his time last season with the Indians. But the the Rays like him at first base. He did he does have some experience there. And the Rays don't have a ton of options at first base after trading away Jake Bowers and the in the deal that got Diaz over here to Tampa. So um, he'll start off as the guy. I think Brandon Brandon Lau can, can potentially get some time over there. Daniel Robertson's another guy who can, who can get some time over there. And like you said, G Man Cho, he only played one game last season at first base, but he claims that he can you know that he can he can be a pretty good first baseman. Obviously, that's just what he says. It, now it remains to be seen what the Rays think. But I think it's it's Diaz at the beginning, and then hopefully, the, you know, the expectation for the Rays is hopefully getting Nate Lowe, who's one of their top prospects, who's, who just got invited to spring to um, spring training camp, to kind of step up and be that guy there. He had 27 home runs last year. He was the player of the year in the minor league system. So they're high at him. He was he was really the main reason why the, the team felt comfortable in trading away Jake Bowers, who many believed he was going to be the first baseman of the future. So it's it's Diaz. At the beginning, and hopefully he can he can sustain that that position for a while, and then whenever Lowe is ready to, to kind of make that jump to the big league level, I think it'll be it'll be his spot. Nothing confusing at all when you talk about the Rays prospects and having Lowe and Lau both in the system, uh, spelt, spelt the same, pronounced differently. No relation between Nate and Brandon, uh, but but Brandon's uh, certainly there, and Nate on the way. Um, a lot of the names as we go around the horn, you hear over and over again because. Right, the Rays like having guys that can play multiple positions. It goes all the way back, I guess, to Ben Zobrist, and they've continued to to be able to do that sort of thing. You mentioned Daniel Robertson can fill in at first. He could pretty much fill in all over that infield, right? Yeah, and he's one of the guys. He's one of the many guys who can play all over the, the infield and the outfield. You know, Daniel Robertson can play second. He can play first. He can play shortstop. He can play third base. He, he, he might be able to pitch a little bit, but in Australia, he can play left field, he can play right field. So he's, he's one of those guys who they're going to move all over the infield. You know, he was fourth on the team in, in winter above replacement at 2.7 last season. So he's, he's a really valuable piece to the, to the team. He, he, they lost him to a, a thumb injury in August last year. So he missed the last two months of the season. But he's, he, he's a big part of what they want to do. He, he'll be in the lineup more often than not. But then you also have Joey Wendell there. Who you know he was a big story for the Rays last season. You know, kind of the joke was that the Rays acquired him the same day the Yankees acquired Giancarlo Stanton. But you know his performance was certainly no joke. I mean, he hit three hundred. He finished fourth in Rookie of the Year voting. So he's a, he's another guy who can play second. He can play shortstop. He can play third. He played left field a little bit last season. So he can move all over the play. Brandon Lau can play first. He can play second. He can play the outfield. So like you said, you know, it kind of all started with Ben Zobrist. But the Rays have three or four of those guys on the roster this season. And that's kind of what they wanted. They want depth. They want versatility. And it all it all kind of starts there. The only problem is that they all kind of play the same position. So it's, it'll be really interesting to see who's on the team. You know, maybe Brandon Lau starts off in AAA just to get him on some more at-bats, him being one of the younger guys. But it'll be really interesting to see how they kind of split up at-bats and playing time since they all kind of played the, those same positions. Joey Wendell slash 300, 354, 435 in 2018. 28-year-old rookie. Um, it just took a little while to click for Wendell, or did he never really get the opportunity until 2018 with the Rays? It was a little bit of both, and, and he he really didn't have that much of an opportunity even at the beginning of the season with the Rays. But every time the, the, the you know Kevin Cash put him in the opening lineup, you know he raked. So it was just kind of like they, they the, you know he forced the Rays to play him every single day and he you know he was the, he was a big storyline for the Rays last season he was a guy who didn't have much expectations coming in 
and all he did was hit. So they're, they're expecting a similar season to him, maybe not necessarily hit 300, and he could work on his walks a little bit. Um, but he's he's a guy who's going to be in the lineup. He's going to move all over the infield. It just I, I don't think the Rays are necessarily ready to name a, a second baseman. I think a lot of people want want you know a set second baseman, but I think they're going to utilize all their options. They're going to move their, they're going to move their lineup around depending on matchups. And I think that's how they want to go about their way in 2019. They would love to be able to name a shortstop full-time in Willie Adamas, I think. And he really took off down the stretch when he finally got kind of a chance to play every day, ended up at 329. Um, is is this the year for Willie Adamas to really grab hold of that shortstop position and, and take it over full-time? Yeah, he was interesting last season. He, he came up kind of on a three-day cameo since Adania Echeverria got hurt. And he took Chris Sale deep in his first game, and, and it was kind of like, okay, the, the the future has arrived. He was he was one he was the first one of that young core who came up to the big leagues and just kind of showed a little bit of promise. He did struggle; he only had two base hits in that little stint that he had. But he he was a guy who you know he's the face of the of the young core that the race have been have been implementing through their system over the last couple of seasons. Once they traded Daniel Echeverria. Once they designated him for assignment and they traded him to Pittsburgh, that's when Willie Adams became the, short, the everyday shortstop, and that's when he started to click a little bit. So they're expecting more of his production from the second half of the season than the first. Now it just remains to be seen. Obviously, he's a young player. It's his second season in the big leagues, his first full season now. So it's it's tricky. You know, you you, you want to put a lot on him in terms of, you know, you want him to be that everyday shortstop and you want him to hit in the middle of your lineup. But you also don't want to overwhelm him since, you know, everyone knows about a potential sophomore slump or anything like that. So it's going to be a little bit – it's going to be interesting to see how the Rays manage him. Luckily for the Rays, and this is why they've kept most of their depth instead of trading away some of those guys for for other pieces is, you know, you run the risk of of Adamas getting into a little bit of a slump, Lau running into a bit of a slump. So you you keep those guys around – and you hope the best players just kind of take off and, and, and like you said, take grasp of that decision. Okay, then over at third base, you have Matt Duffy, who um, kind of just a neat story. I, I talked to him a little bit last spring training before the season got going when he was finally healthy and excited about the season. Has he Is he a leader at all on this team in that clubhouse? Because it's such a young team, and he's now kind of a veteran player. Yeah, we talked about Adamas just now, and Matt Duffy was, was a big part and what Adamas was able to accomplish in the second half of the season. Adamas, Duffy kind of took it upon himself to take Adamas a little bit under his wing. It's not like they were best friends or anything, or anything by any means, but they share, their lockers are, are pretty close to each other. And Duffy, you know, I, I, in my opinion, I think he could be a pretty good hitting coach once his playing days are over. You know, he's a, he's a really smart guy. He's a really smart hitter. So he took Adamas under his wing a little bit, kind of told him to relax. He helped Adamas bring his hands down a little bit in, in his stance which allowed him to get to fastball. So, yeah, I think he's definitely a leader. And I think a lot of people just see his, you know, his OPS. And he's not going to be a guy who gets you 15 home runs or maybe not even a, a bunch of doubles, but he's a guy who's going to consistently get on base. And I think he, he was hitting 317 last season. And I think once once the season started wearing, wearing up on him, obviously it was his first full season back since the Achilles injury. I think – you know that's when you saw his his batting his batting average kind of decrease a little bit. He he, he was never going to admit that that was a reason for it, but I think that was definitely a, that definitely played a role. In it. He, and he he told me he wanted to gain fifteen pounds in the off season. You know I'm not going to put that I'm not going to 
you know, bet against him. He's definitely a guy who's really motivated. So I think this season he's definitely going to be one of those veteran guys. A lot of people see his OPS, like I said, but he's definitely a guy who who brings those little intangibles that the Rays love. Is that it as far as when you look at a 20-man, 25-man roster for the Rays, or is there another person they can go to for depth? Does Christian Arroyo have a shot, shot to make the roster maybe? Not not necessarily out of opening day on opening day, but he's definitely a guy who's 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 there. You know, obviously he he had some he has some major league experience. He's he's one of the guys, Keon Wong, you know, Colton Wong's little brother. He's a guy who hasn't who hasn't made his big league debut, but he's a guy who can definitely um perform at the big league level. Andrew Velasquez had had a squid as they call him. Um he's a guy who's a really good defender, doesn't necessarily hit that much, but he's another depth depth piece for the for the Rays. And like I said, Having depth across the organization is the, the main focus for the Rays, just in case one or two of those guys kind of go through one of those little sophomore slumps. All right, one more guy I want to talk to with you, Juan, is not a guy that's going to be a part of this team in 2019, but the MLB Pipeline Top 100 Prospects list came out this weekend on Saturday night on MLB Network. And you look at the list from the Rays, and obviously they have a great system. But Wander Franco really pops out. He's a guy that wasn't on that list a year ago, and now he's in the top 15. And when you talk about our prospects specialists, Jim Callison and Jonathan Mayo, they talk about Wander Franco being a guy who could be the number one overall prospect in baseball in maybe two years or maybe a year, depending on his year this season and, and how many guys graduate in front of him. But he's that, got that kind of top side to his career. He's only 18 years old. How excited are the Rays about this kid? I think that pretty much you know wraps it up. I think they, they believe he's going to be the next, you know, the, the next big thing, the next Vladimir Guerrero Jr., the next Fernando Tatis. At least that's what they're hoping on. And, you know, like you said, he's 18 years old. Actually, I think he might be 17, close to turning 18 now. Um, and, you know, he's he's a guy who has all the tools. He had 11 home runs in, in limited time last season in rookie ball. He can hit. He can run. He can play shortstop. He can play third base. You know, he's, he's I mean, just on the surface of it, he's a guy who has, you know, superstar written all over him. And that's and that's a guy who the, the Ray. It's been a couple of years since the Rays had one, and it's funny, you know, he gets he, he gets put in number thirteen as an eighteen year old or seventeen year old on the top one hundred prospect list, and Rays fans are kind of calling for Jonathan Mayo's head on Twitter a little bit, saying that he should be higher. You know, a couple other a couple other platforms have him a little bit higher than than what Pipeline has him as. But yeah, he, in a year or two, he's definitely going to be number one, number two, number three, in the, in those in all those rankings, and I think. That he's definitely the one person in the in the organization where the Rays believe he could be a superstar. And the top thirty lists aren't officially out yet, but he will be number one as far as the Rays go once those lists come out in the next uh, couple of weeks. Really, a special talent if he can uh, stay on track and become what what everybody thinks he can become. All right, this has been another great podcast, uh, Juan. Thank you so much. You can find Juan on Twitter at Juan C Terribio. I'm there at MLB underscore McMaster. All of our club podcasts at MLB.com backslash podcast, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. Thank you for tuning in. For Juan Toribio, I'm Tim McMaster. Thanks for listening.